you'd need that social time with people every now and then, especially if they're your clients. You know, if you have coffee with them, it's a meeting. If you break bread, it's history. The only way you get cast out of the tribe is if you put a really bad tweet up. <laughs> I'm very jealous, actually. Oh, don't don't mind me. I'll find something to moan about. I always do. <laughs> That's the Yorkshire in you. Isn't it just? On today's episode of The Engaging Marketeer, I'm going to be interviewing a fellow BNI member and fellow filmmaker, uh, Tommy Murshid Parrish. Tommy is uh, a Yorkshireman, but is currently living in the beautiful, idyllic, sunny island of Gozo, uh, just outside Malta. And Tommy does all of his video work for his clients and his BNI meetings remotely in a hybrid chapter back in Leeds. So it'll be very interesting to see how that works out. One of the biggest things to come around on the video circuit isn't technically like visual. Hmm. It's the it's the sound quality. You know, if if V.io and Adobe Enhance or anything to go by, and you, by the way, you can't make up for like zero, like bad volume, then you're really buggered if no one's talking into the mic. Yeah. But the boost it's had on just bad B&I presentations alone, audio-wise, is is staggering. I've se- I've revived things from the dead. Um, and it's interesting how all that's complementing what, you know, was existing. Mm. Well, that, that's probably an interesting thing to start with, actually, because I, I saw you were you were advertising that as a new product, weren't you, for, for B&I yeah. members doing their 10-minute presentations, that they can film it themselves using any technology they've got, and you can turn that into a video. So how, how does that work? Well, if you go on YouTube, and I want to see an Orbital gig, you know, or any fan-filmed event. You, it used to be like you've been framed. You know, you used to sneak a giant camera in and it used to look awful. Yeah. The sound on these things is ridiculous. You know, I, c- I, can, I can hear an orbital gig with clarity. And that's, ele- that's an electronic band. So you know when something's off with that. Hmm. Um, and if it can film a live event to a decent standard, at least enough where you'd play the whole tune for it, maybe not the entire set, I don't know. Then it's it saying... There's a lot of room to do things with, you know, just simple presentations where there's a bit, occasional bit of coughing or a bad microphone. Yeah. You know, the sound's pretty decent. You don't need Steven Spielberg or Kubrick to rock up, you know, or Edgar Wright. And, or Edgar Wright, yeah. You know, or put the tripod, you know, to, to bring the whole camera crew in. Yeah, it, essentially, somebody can walk in with a phone and with a tripod. And I don't mean a big trap, but you know, like one of those little ones that sits on a table. Yeah. It records. And as long as the settings are right and it's not that difficult to do, then any idiot can record a BNI presentation to quite decent technical standards. And if the sound's a bit like not as loud because there's a person at the other side of the room, I've seen, I've seen videos on TikTok where a guy giving a church sermon, like right over there, Sound, you know, and it echoing across the place and it not being quite, pre- you know, precise. Mm. Sounds like he's wearing a clip on mic, you know, the before and after. So the improvement for sound, and, and, and for me, always sound is the crucial thing because if the video is crap, you can always put slides over it. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, the sound is the crucial thing and the sound's good enough and the video's all right anyway. So in theory, anybody who's got something to say that the world wants to hear can during a B&I presentation make sure that the world can hear it. And a lot of the time, I don't know about you, but you've seen more. Pre- you get, you know, you've got a lot of presentations recorded, and I yeah. saw one get used in getting used in Malta without your knowledge. <laughs> you know, which says a lot. 
for how these things can spread around. Yeah. So imagine that anybody, instead of only the visitor hearing a presentation, you know, or witnessing it, suddenly somebody in Peru hears about it or Miami and says, I need that service or I need to introduce you to somebody who you can clearly help. Hmm. But prior to that, the only people who were going to hear about it were going to be the ones in the room. You were entirely dependent on what visitors turned up that day. You know, we've all heard these, you know, like, um, I can't, I can't think of a better word, but somebody used the words, you know, fairy, you know, fairy stories where, you know, Cinderella stories, yeah. where suddenly it's you for the night. Right. And if, as long as somebody invited the right visitor, you could make 50 grand for the next five years. And it is possible, hmm. right? It does happen. That's why we tell those stories. But it is a roll of the dice. Why wait for fate to give you what, you, you know, what you're looking for? Why not take a proactive approach and get it recorded so that anybody in theory could dig it out even a couple of years later and think, I need to talk to that person. People are still, you know, imagine if, let's say that Simon Sinek was in BNI. I know he's not, but for the argument's sake, right? Need rocks up that morning. And he'd use that flip chat and done the whole start with Y speech in front of the membership. And then no one filmed it. And that was mm. it. It was done. Right. That's a pretty crappy video <laughs> by technical standards. And imagine no one's seen it. His reputation. All right. You could have put out a book, but it's the video that people keep coming back to. If that makes sense. Yeah. So imagine if everyone in theory is capable of the next Simon Sinek speech. I mean, all right. The odds are, you know, depends on the quality of what you put out, but we don't have to be restrained now in theory by, you know, who's in the room. Hmm. No, that's, that's a great point. Cause when you, when you do a, a BNI presentation or for any networking, if it's, if it's BNI, you're doing it typically once every 24, 25 weeks. If it's 24, 25 members, you might even be doing it one a year if you've got a big chapter. And if you're waiting a whole year to do it, you want to make sure you get the best use out of it and that as many people as possible can see it. So why not record it? Why yeah. not reuse it? Well, it, and it doesn't stop with the presentation. I mean, AI has scared a lot of people lately. But if you think that, you know, if you think of BNI beyond like a bubble where we just pass some work amongst each other, it, it's actually a, a really good ideas machine um, and a really good place to support other people with, with more ideas on top of what they're doing already so you know people who've got skills who can add something to it so you could in theory take the text from that presentation give it to a copywriter sales pages you know give take the text from that bni presentation because you can download transcripts put it through mid-journey you've got amazing images yeah you know get somebody to make the slides um chop it up into little mini clips for youtube i mean Often I get in a situation where somebody comes to me and says, I've got no presentation and it's two weeks or even a week and I'm in trouble. And this happens to me because I, every time that somebody says, I can't do my presentation, I know I'm getting that phone call. I know I'm going to go, oh, I really shouldn't do this, but I'll agree to it. Right. I know because I, I take the chance to stand up in front of people and shoot my mouth off as a chance, <laughs> not a problem. So I, I did this so many times at some point I was recording outside and thinking, I'm out of ideas. I'm, I'm struggling. What will I do? Right. Okay. I went around the room. Tell me some, ask me a question about my business and make sure it's something you don't know and you need an answer to. And I got so many answers 
quite a lot of them. And then I just fed them to somebody in the room and just said, ask me those questions. And suddenly I had live theater. I had video content and the room was energized because it was a live event. It wasn't me remembering things from a phone, from a phone book. And suddenly when you're in that room and people are seeing questions being asked, they want to look clever. Let's yeah. first see. And suddenly they go, me, me, I've got a question. There's always somebody at an event who sticks around up because they want to look clever and ask a question, which is good. We should take advantage of that. So you've got more questions. By the end of it, you've got tons of video content. You've got text for your website. You know, you could put that through again, mid-journey, and come up with images related to it. You've got social yeah. posts. You know, you, you've yeah. got a, a decent length YouTube video. You can scatter that across the platforms. You can put it on your LinkedIn profile. The list, the list is endless. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the thing is, the, I think the important thing is, it, it's something you're doing anyway. Somebody's making this presentation anyway. You have to do this. So why not film it and repurpose it and get loads of content and loads of more eyeballs on it? Because you, it's no extra effort. It goes back to that thing of whether you see doing a presentation as a problem or a chance to get mm. known. I, you know, don't get me wrong. I've had disasters, but I get to shoot my mouth off in front of 20 odd people. Why is that a bad thing? I've got a captive audience. Tech it. I'll do it every week if they ask me. Yeah, I've I've actually got mine next week. Drum roll. Mine, yes, my presentation next week. So I, I will be filming it, funnily enough. I will be filming it. And it's on the same day I'm doing my comedy as well. So that's going to be interesting. I don't want to get the two presentations mixed up. Otherwise, I could offend everybody in B&I. You know, one of the interesting things, I, I did a laugh of this. If you combine it with, if you combine the your presentation with ChatGPT, so you pull the text out, and obviously depending on what the source is, the better the result of this. Mm. So the ideal one is when you're talking about your business, you know, are you doing a presentation video? And I've done presentation videos with people and I pulled the text out for this. You can do it with testimonial videos. You can do it with BNI presentations as well. Depending on the source, you'll get one result will be better than the other. But everybody's looking for memory hooks. They're struggling. Mm. Why not? Why not just feed the text into ChatGPT and just say, give me 20 memory hooks. Pick <laughs> your favorite. I know that. I know this because they've been using them in my chapter. Yeah, you know, you can I, you can. I have tried it. it myself for that, and it and it does come up with some really funny stuff. So yeah, it, it does work for a memory hook for for BNI. Um, so you you how long have you been in BNI yourself now? Five years. Five Gotta years. sound old. And you're obviously you're a Yorkshireman. We can all hear that. Not my sense. But you're, but you're you're not in Yorkshire. No. No, you're in as far away from Yorkshire, sort of. Weather-wise, oh, yeah. you could possibly this, this be... virtual background. It's very uh, it's, virtu- it's, it's very, very good detailed, animated background. It? Isn't oh yeah, it? tell me about it. Tourists, <laughs> everything. So, so whereabouts are you, and how are you making that work? Uh, Gozo Island. Um, it's all remote. Originally, I went around filming everybody in person. So, if somebody says Chester, we need a, we need to do it. Hmm. I'd tell them what the hotel would be, and they'd say no, or you know, and they'd it'd end up being somewhere like that. I'd It'd end up being somewhere more local that I do that sort of thing, you know, or London because it's a bit more straightforward getting down there. So mm. I did a lot of bits and pieces down there, but it was all dependent on whether I could make it in person. And then the pandemic happened, and I get a phone call: "We need a client filming in Malta. You're not in Malta." And I film people in Malta in person several times over. So, you know, I'd already done this uh, remote filming thing over Zoom with uh, with a client in Yorkshire just to test it out. And we thought, that's great. No one's going to buy it. You know, you're buying it. 
because you like it. But mass market, no way. They want the they want the works. Mm. You know, they want um, Christopher Nolan to come out with his gear, <laughs> and we didn't think it was happening, so I just put it to bed. And then the pandemic happened, and people are saying, "I need to do some marketing." Have you got any ideas? What about this? Oh yeah, I love that. And that that was it. And I didn't think it would take off, even when I was in Malta. At least long term, I thought it would kind of people would insist on camera equipment afterwards. But it just lowered the bar for production value. I'm not saying it looked crap. I'm saying it looked clear enough that I could hit see what people were you know getting across with their body language. I mean, if I was filming a an interview testimonial for example it, i'd make sure everybody was in their office not where yeah. i'm at today at the bar um <laughs> you know i'd make sure it was clear enough i could hear them and even then i could improve things if it was bad and then as long as it clears those two bars and it's framed the right way a lot of people didn't care you know i mean if you wanted to be the next yorkshire water or you wanted to be the next regional player should we say then you might want to spend more money to prove that you are of the size of company where you can handle the workload that comes with it. Mm. But a lot of the time, a lot, a lot of us are solopreneurs or we've got so many staff or we're happy, we're, we're happy enough getting really good projects, but not too many projects. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's enough for a lot of people to have somebody, you know, talking like we are. It, that's enough of people. What they want is what's in our heads. What's in the business owner's heads? What's in the client's head? What do they think of me? I want to make sure I can hear that. I want to hear what ideas are in the brain of the business owner. What advice can they offer? You know, what? why are they doing this? Um, that aside, you know, people aren't as fussed about production value if they're working on a certain scale. So it, it's more about the story and the content than about, as, as you say, getting the, uh, the £3,000 camera out and the giant tripod. I mean, don't get me wrong. People have expectations if you're a com- if you're aiming to do a certain volume of work, mm. right? And I emphasize the word volume, you know. Um, but Simon Sinek, that clip is rusty. You know, it's got the gold standard of information in terms of how we- how people went on to use it and how many books it sold. But in terms of technical quality, it's worse than what we're doing right now. Mm. You know, at least where I am. <laughs> well, you've got a pretty decent microphone in your hand there. Because as I say, the, the, for anyone who's not watching this, who's listening, there's cars going right past behind you there because you seem to be on a roundabout. And I cannot hear a single one of them. That's largely because of Zoom. I've got to say, I've been impressed from the beginning how well it filters out noise. But it doesn't harm to have a decent microphone. And if somebody's getting a testimonial done and they're investing in a, a video, you know, where they're introduced, I, depending on what it's worth to their business, I mean, you can get really good ones for 100 quid, hmm. you know, to spend spend a little money if you can. A lot of the time, if clients have got really bad webcams, you know, or somebody's client has a really bad webcam and they need to do a testimonial video for one of my clients, I'll, I'll tell my clients to send them a little device from Amazon where they can hold their phone in place. You know, 15 quid, what, what is it really in the grand scheme of things? And they, and people love a present, so they, they start talking about you. <laughs> no, that, that, that's good advice. So um, what what sort of clients are you actually helping with this from, from uh, Gozo? 
it, there's a mad range to it. And I've, I've worked with funeral directors, you know. Um, but from Gozo, it kind of falls into two categories. It's either coaches or consultants who do what you might describe as a very intangible thing, very hard to define. And actually, the label's pretty poor, as it is in most cases, but especially in coaching. You have to really drill down to what it means hmm. or tell a really detailed, tell a, a fairly detailed story. And then there's a lot of people who I might call um, mavericks in what otherwise might be known as very dull fields. You know, you might think that's a pretty boring industry, but then when you meet the business owner, you go, yeah, they're a little bit different. Hmm. You know, I, yeah, they, you know, they, 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 they break the mold a little bit. And do you ever get to um, to interview people where you think, you know, this this just doesn't work? What, are you talking from when I introduce the business owners or when I'm interviewing clients? When you're interviewing clients. The only time it hasn't worked, and I can tell a story about this, and it took me a while, it took me a while early on to realize something was wrong, is when that person was giving a testimonial under duress. <laughs> it was like, you owe me a favor and you're working for me as well. And you should give it. And when I went away, I, I was like, they said, oh, they should have said this. And they should have said that. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? And we did it again, but some it felt really wrong. And then it turned out that person who was asking the testimonial was not a nice person. Right. You know what I mean? I, don't, I can't remember if it was a paid job at the time because I was doing a few favors. But it was like, there's something really wrong about it. And, and the more I heard about that person afterwards, you know, the more it backs it up. That aside, no. Um, if you've delivered and you've given good feedback and the person is kind enough to want to help you, you know, do well, hmm. then there's usually not a problem. Okay, excellent. And I say, you've, you've been in BNI, you're doing BNI remotely. Yeah. Is that remotely in Gozo or is it remotely still in Yorkshire? Listen, I'm the only BNI member in Gozo, so there couldn't be a BNI chapter in Gozo. Um, I, I do it in Yorkshire. Or is We've that got, an opportunity for a BNI chapter in Gozo? It is not an opportunity for a BNI chapter in Gozo. Don't, I am not. Don't get me started. It's too much. Right? Everybody knows each other here anyway. I mean, that could still work, but I'm, it's not. It's not going to fall on me. I'm more useful to BNI in less administrative roles and more like teaching people how to use video. Right. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. I'm still seeing the opportunity. There's definitely a chance there. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Maybe Come not live a big it. one. You do it. Maybe, me do it. I do, remotely. Yeah, from here. Why not? Why not? Um, do, you, do you miss the face-to-face -face at all then? It's really interesting you say that because I had to go back for a funeral, sadly, to Leeds. And I thought I cannot. And I, this is as bonkers as it sounds. I went the day after their funeral after the work that finished at about midnight, right? And then went to Sabini the next morning there for about 6 a.m. Wow. And, I was actually, and then end, ended up having three meetings that same day before getting on a ride to London and, you know, having um, eat dinner at my aunt's house or my aunt's parents. So it it was a bit... It was, I, so to go back to your original question, uh, what is it like comparatively? I had seen a camera on the meetings that made the room that I was walking into seem absolutely huge, <laughs> right? I literally thought I was going to walk into the TARDIS and it was a lot smaller, wow. you know, everybody's a lot shorter, you know, that's, that's the first thing you notice. And I was there and I met a bunch of people and it was really lovely. And I do feel like if you can meet people that you care about 
once or twice a year. That has a ton of value. But it's not essential to meet them all the time. Hmm. You know, I can understand. I mean, we've got a dual system. So we've got a hybrid um, where we're meeting in person and online at the same time. I think we're the only BNI chapter that does that consistently because we've got somebody who understands the tech really well. But there is a lot of chapters who do monthly get-togethers. You know, they do the Zoom and then they do hybrid. I, I can understand why that works for a lot of people um, because they need their social fix. They can't go too long without seeing it with each other, but they don't need it all the time. And it I won't lie, travel stresses me out. You know, anyway, I, if I go to Malta, for the day, I get stressed out by the travel. Although I do like taking the ferry. I've got really lazy. I like my cafe. I like my routine. You know, travel is a big drain on my systems. And I won't lie. I do like the benefit of an added hour in bed, mm. you know, which says a lot about my character, you know. <laughs> um, but when I met people, it it was really nice to see people again. Um, it you, you need that social time with people every now and then, especially if they're your clients. You know, if you have coffee with them, it's a meeting. If you break bread, it's history. You know, um, and if you get, if you have a late evening, it's a, it's legend. Mm. You know, um, God knows what happens if you go to the Liverpool director's box. <laughs> and, but once it was done, I didn't need it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'd done my meeting. I'd seen court with people. I didn't need to do it all the time. A lot of it was information exchange. You know, it's it's a lot of the time when you you're passing data back and forth, you know, and sometimes you need that emotional connect. And a lot of the time, it, it actually makes me feel more friends with the people who are my clients. A lot of them, because rather than talk business, because we can do that anytime, we make our meeting just about get tea, talk rubbish, or talk life, whatever, and catch up about business another time. Business gets talked about, but not as intensely. That makes any sense? It does. Yeah, makes perfect you sense. Know, yeah. And, and also the added bonus is that I meet people over here and it's really something when somebody comes to my, my little island, you know, um, or comes to Malta, you really get to know people when they're out here because they haven't got the ball and chain around the leg. <laughs> so have, you're, you're effectively living the life, the laptop, if I can say it correctly, the laptop lifestyle, aren't you? I get lumped in with remote workers mm. and I'm not a remote worker. I am a permanent resident here, and I am quite happy about that. Um, I didn't know I was going to end up like that. I mean, I was I ended up just leaving because of uh, the COVID situation in the UK, um, and I thought I'd be back at some point, and I ended up being gone 10 months before I saw my family again. Um, but I would a remote worker is a lot of the time somebody who hops from place to place, you know, mm. and I'm not knocking it if that's your life, you know. I'm in Portugal this week. Oh, I'm going to be in Bali. Cool for you. I like it here. You know what I mean? At some point, I'll go, well, I've seen all corners of the island. But then somebody will come along and it gets interesting again. <laughs> you know, there's a lot I can do. And, and actually, for an entrepreneur, there's a lot of distraction and disruption or a lot of things to throw you off your stride. Nothing more than travel. Hmm. And and actually, the, the, I have found ways to get rid of my time just as easily. But travel really messes with my headspace. So I'm quite comfortable. I'm quite cozy here. Why? Why do you think the that travel bothers you so much? I used to do it all the time. I used to go mad on it. I used to go down to London. I used to do five B nine meetings as a sub a week. Wow. I used to do more than anybody else, you know. And I used to do more one to ones than anybody else. I actually have that statistic. 
They put me down as 115 a year, one-to-ones in person. That was understated. I didn't log them because I didn't want a reputation. I ended up with, the, the true number was about 250 in my first year. Wow. So I, I did the extreme, but I get very acutely aware of my time and what relationships are not necessarily yielding money, but are going somewhere, you know, whether I feel invested in them for one reason or not. And you, you get an idea of who's not worth, you know, trying to keep things going with or who's got other things going on, you know, who, who is, who are you just having a chin whack with, you know, who is actually going to do something interesting, you know, who do you want to actively support? You know, these things play an active um, role in when I have a one-to-one. If anybody requests it, I'll have I'll always have a one-to-one once. You never know. I was on a training event during COVID in the first year, and I met somebody at the end of it who had a picture of a, what looked like some island of the gods, right? And it turned out it was his back garden in Catalonia. Wow. And we got chatting. I ended up getting invited to film at that Kefalone. It was a paid working all day. Can't just, knock it. Just from one to one. Gorgeous island. They treated me really well. You know, just from one to one. And sometimes I think we can say we get all our business from LinkedIn, right? Or we can say we get all our business from this. And you mm. you, you know it. You can, in theory, you could get all, a lot of business from SEO. But what it does, interestingly, being in a group of people who have, who, who either have or their network has all these random problems that you didn't see coming. It keeps your ears to the ground as to what problems people are having and where there's chances to fix those problems. And then that has evolved my business quite a few times over. Yeah. You know, and, and actually, if it's not for being I, I wouldn't be on this island because I needed my purpose sorting out and the accountant, um, Richard Falzoni Malta, uh, sorted them out because I couldn't understand them. You know, the there's what's written and there's what there's what is between the lines mm. and that's the middle of it is called bureaucracy and i couldn't understand any of it <laughs> you have to be a local and that was done through bni yeah and if so, not i wouldn't have got in on sign i'd have been i'd have been in big trouble so yeah that, that that's a really good 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 point about it isn't it um a lot of people they they join a networking group like bni because they want the business they want to grow their business they want to make more money obviously that's why we do it but you also get that support group that can help you with things that you just couldn't possibly do because they are there when you need them. You know, the accountant is there to sort these problems out when you need them and they are the expert in it. And you know you can trust them because you've known them a long time. Yeah, exactly. You know, I looked at it as a chance to level up. Like, I was an amateur when I went in that room. I'm still an amateur. But I'm a bit less of an amateur. <laughs> I looked around the room and I thought, yeah, I could step up amongst these people. Hmm. You know. how How are you finding it? Because um, obviously you're there in Gozo. The rest of the chapter presumably is in Leeds. One of them's in Mauritius. Of course. One of them's in Mauritius. I, 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 naturally, I was going to suggest that. How are you able to find referrals for them when you're so many, so, so many hundreds of miles away? One thing that COVID brought forward is the need for people, or not need, but the chances for people who might have only done things in a local area to do things a lot further afield. You know, my accountant in B&I was sorting out my papers whilst I'm sat at one of these cafe tables. And he's in England, right? Mm. And some people can only work on a local level. But then again, I had the 
branded workwear person in my chapter sending stuff to over here. You know, I could refer the count to anybody in the country. Hmm. Um, I had a mortgage. I had an IFA in Malta, um, Scottish, funny enough, connected with the IFA in England because there was, you know, technical challenges to solve. Um, and a mortgage broker in my chapter because there's a lot of expats who have houses back home, you know. Uh, a lot of people, though, broadly speaking, do stuff that the world could use. You know, my, my graphic designer's in South Africa. She's brilliant. I refer her all over the place. The What I could do applies to pretty much anybody, hmm. you know. Maybe a bit more challenging if they don't speak English, but actually even that can be got around. And... There's a copywriter who can work with people in the, anywhere, states, Australia, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, one of my web designers is an Aussie, and I met her through B&I. So there's a, there's a lot of suppliers. And, you, you know, people you won't think that are obvious, architects, as long as they know the regulations of that country, they could do things anywhere. At one point, for many years, we had a, a construction lawyer, and he you would think he's the hardest person to refer. He was the easiest, because they'd always meet somebody in that industry, in another country that we could connect with and either invite to his webinar or translate English documents for or check English, you know, written documents for. Mm. You, a lot of the time it's helped that my network's fairly wide and I would have a lot of conversations early on. And there was a guy called Derek Sivers who said, you know, like when you first start out, take every chance, talk to everybody, then narrow it down. So I did build my network pretty early on. Um, but People come to us and ask for people come to us and ask for advice. So I get to find out what they're up to. That opens doors. You know, we don't announce cross chapter referrals in my chapter. If we did, and okay. I'm not complaining, I'm just saying if we did, like I'd be a lot more visible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I do introduce people across the Atlantic quite a bit. So in terms of finding referrals. There's a lot of us who could open our eyes and see chances to do stuff that are way beyond our little cir little local circle. Mm. So, so when people complain that I, I find it difficult to pass referrals because I don't know that many people in my area, that's a nonsense, really, because the world is a lot smaller than it was before COVID. There's a cheat sheet I use, and I've shown oh. this. Some people use Connect. I use Google, and I'll go on to BNI Find a Member, and... You know, take an example, there's an architect and he works with certain people in whatever sector, you know. I don't know if he works with a lot of surveyors, you know. And I appreciate one type of business owner will be providing a lot more referrals than the other way around. But still, they're looking for quality, you know. So I will go on that list and I'll type in a profession in England and it'll bring me a list of 20 people with that profession. Now, some of them run very different types of businesses to ones that are elsewhere on the list but why not have a one-to-one -one with them there's you know i somebody once pointed out to me it's not necessarily about always the people in the room some mm. of the best partnerships span chapters span the globe so why limit ourselves no that's a great point um our best referrals come from somebody in a different chapter our, our highest number and our best ones come from someone else so that, that, that that's very true it's not just about the people in the room 
but it, it transcends that for you as well because you've you've put together your own group of marketers, haven't you? Your own BNI Dark Side, I believe it's called. Bit of a Star Wars reference in there. Yeah, and that's not that's not to suggest that anything naughty goes on in there. That was actually no, no, f- no, no. Yeah, that that was originally a get together of people I knew personally. You know, having met them during the pandemic on Zoom, saying, "Should we just talk this out?" Because we I can't be bothered sitting and moaning about this. And then at some point, somebody says, "When are we meeting next time?" And I just at one point it just says, "Let's start a WhatsApp channel." Mm. And then I had my VA invite a bunch of people in every marketing end in US. Canada and England and Ireland to join. And some of them stuck around and formed their little sub-communities that I have, you know, or like alliances that I have no idea about. Yeah. You know, and that's sometimes the best of it is when it works without you. Um, but it doesn't have to be strictly the case that you only work with one web designer. You know, and I think sometimes this is where labels fall short. You know, Andrew Gibson will say it's more about stories than, than labels. Not in those exact words, but you know what I mean. It, like some web designers work with companies that spend X amount of money and need X amount of problem solving. And some people are, up, are magic at landing pages and they just want that. Hmm. You know, and some people have a particular thing for accountants. You know, and some pe- certain niches suit people really well because they understand it. You know, somebody paid me the highest compliment I've had in a while the other day and he says, you know, some coaches, you seem to get it. You know, you understand, you put us, you put yourselves in our shoes. I could have paid him to say that. I wish I had, <laughs> you know, but it, but the more you work with a certain sector of people, and I know there's a slight danger in oversubscribing yourself to one industry. The pandemic has proved that events, you know, but Hospitality. still, yeah. yeah, but, you know, a couple of them is not a bad thing. And if you empathize and understand and and get, one industry in particular, and the language they use and the fears and concerns, then you've got an ace up your sleeve, whether you're the web designer in my chapter or the web designer in another chapter, if you completely and totally get it. I mean, obviously, your understanding of that person's quality and standards carries a lot of weight too. It might be the winning factor, but still, you know, knowing a certain sector in its language helps. Yeah, and and I obviously I'm a member of that group as well, and I I found it massively useful. I've had loads of help and advice from it. I've given help and advice on it, and I've had loads of podcast guests from it as well. So you get a loads of marketers together in one group, and a lot of them do the same thing. You would might expect there'd be arguments well, and fights, but it doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work that way. It's healthy debates, which I do <laughs> like, you know. And again, it, it kind of works on its own, doesn't it? I'm, I'm half the time I'm just a glorified, glorified admin assistant. Mm. you know but it, I think with any group or community you get out what you put in if you're a constant contributor and there's some people who really are good at that then you get a reputation for it and people come to you when there's a problem mm. so what what plans have you got for for the future are you looking to stay in Gozo for the foreseeable yeah this is all my biggest nightmare is being dragged home by something do you know what I mean <laughs> I, I mean that's not home anymore I've lived here for it feels bonkers to say it. I have been here now for two and a half years. Mm. Like that time has really flown. I'm also extremely appreciative of the Maltese Health Service. The fact I can literally walk in, take a ticket, grab a cup of tea from the cafe, wait 10 minutes, and if I'm lucky, my place is still there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, things move at a slow pace. 
it's amazing the amount of stuff you don't need. You know, you can't you can't get this. You know, a lot of white goods you have to kind of like get secondhand or get imported. It's amazing what you don't need, though. You know what I mean? I've I, I kind of like not used a lot of stuff because I don't need it. Like, like what? What sort of examples have you not used? I'm trying to think of a, if you you know. Let's say you go in. I'm trying to think of the best way, right? There's not there's not an IKEA here, right? Right. And yes, there'd be some an IKEA inferior would be useful. But if I had nothing to do, I'd probably go thinking, what am I going to do? I'm bored. i got some money. Let's go to Ikea. Or maybe I've got money. Let's go to Ikea anyway. Let's spend it. Do you know what I mean? It's got the essentials. You've got what you need here. But you don't, you know, like, sometimes you'd work out, walk out of a, a, I think sometimes a shopping mall, a big one, is the worst thing you can have in yeah. a city. Because all those things do is put people in debt. Because they walk out with stuff they didn't really need when they walked in. What the people walk in to spend money, and that's kind of a nice thing, but at the same time, they don't have it. So, I, I'm quite comfortable as long as there's a, a cup of tea in my hand, you know, a laptop in front of us, you know, or a decent book, you know, or a decent place to walk, you know, and see some views. I'm all right. So, it's, it's almost like the the capitalist monster hasn't quite hit Gozo yet. Oh, well, we've got Starbucks, we've got Mackie D's, <laughs> um, you know, and I'm sure that over time there'll be one or two more. But actually, most bars around here and cafes are all uh, like one owner. Now, let me rephrase that. It might be like one owner and they have a shop here and something that does something different over there. You know, there's a couple of multiple business owners, entrepreneurs, you know. But, yeah, um, but, yeah the conglomerates haven't taken over. It sounds pretty ideal, idyllic. I'm sure everything has its issues, you know. But in terms of if you list like a bunch of pros and cons, it kind of balances out quite well. A lot of people miss this place pretty bad when they leave, you know, for like for any length of time. Hmm. You know, after about three days in England, I'll, I'll be, you know, be glad to see my family and I will meet up with them. But at the same time, like, I'm not in my element here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I've, I've not been personally. How big is the island? 67 square kilometers. So you could, how far? So could you walk across the whole island in a day? Oh yeah, easy. You could drive from one end to the other in the maximum twenty-five minutes without bad traffic. Wow, that's the furthest two points. Wow. So presumably you've explored pretty much all of it by now. No, no. no some, you know, depends. There's always another pizzeria to try, I'm sure. <laughs> but everybody knows where the best one is, or at least with one of the best view. And what what is that view? There's a place called Francesco's Special Pizzeria. They make really good pizza, but the view is incredible. And it's mm. the only my sister's sixteen and she was fifteen at the time when she first saw it. And it's the only thing that stops a teenager short of words. Wow, is that good? That's pretty good. I'll send you oh. a photograph sometime. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. Is that well fantastic? You know, I, to be honest, I keep a spare room. And I, I got a spare room early on um, just because of the space. But one of the bonuses and one of the things I'm really grateful for is that I can, I can be the host. I used to be the guy crashing on everybody's couch hmm. and a bit of a burden. And now, you know, a lot of the time, a lot of being I members or friends, you need to get out of the country, come over. 
you know, it, it's nice to give people a bit of a break from the, the drama. Mm. So, what? Why? Why were you crashing on people's couches? What the time to do B and I meetings in London? You know, a lot of the time I was a struggling entrepreneur, didn't have somewhere. Right. So, how, how long ago was that? Well, I've been at it for since I left university, and mm. and it probably between I don't know, like two thousand and two thousand and eighteen late. Mm. All the way back to 2011, it was a 2010 even. It was a struggle. So with, a lot of with, rough stuff happened. With university, was that film? Yeah, yeah. And, and what was it? You because obviously I've been to film school as well as you know. What what was it? Your your plan was your dream. Go out and be the next Kubrick, or, or you know, like emulate my heroes, hmm. play around with as Kurosawa, and at some point I will do that. You know, and I don't think there are many people now, even well-known directors, who are not busy between shoots making commercials. And I don't care how expensive that commercial is. If you're making a commercial, whether you're a Hollywood director or not, you've got a side job. Mm. So, you know, I don't mind you. I don't mind having a side hustle. But what, I say that in a positive way. Everyone's got, you know, most people have got something else going on, you know, and it depends on the argument which way you think this is my main thing or not. I I enjoy it. I love it. You know, mm. I get to help people who otherwise don't get take, taken seriously enough. Mm. Yeah, because of course, even, even Ridley Scott, director of Blade Runner and Alien, made TV commercials. He did. He did. And mm. we're very, we can be really shallow, you know, as people. We can look at somebody and go, I'm not working with them. They're nuts. They're eccentric. Mm. You know, I don't like them. Until we see the results, we go, hey, just take my money, right? You know, there's a lot of people who, whatever reason, they don't have the right accent, they, they don't have the right background, they don't talk a certain way, they're introverts rather than extroverts, you know, they struggle. Um, or or maybe they do well. Maybe they've done really well. They're just not doing as well as they should do, you know? You- or maybe they're working with people who do their editing a lot of the time rather than, you know, bring energy to the table rather than drain it like vampires. And it's a, it's really... It's a lot of fun helping those people because mm. they they finally get validated and they see how much people appreciate them. Like when somebody's leaving the pens at Russell Crowe's table. <laughs> I mean, you you mentioned earlier how you you're, you see it as an opportunity to stand up and talk in front of twenty five people. Yeah. But does that mean that you class yourself as an extrovert rather than an introvert? No, it's an introvert who throws himself out of his comfort zone. Mm. And I wouldn't even say that I've done it enough times. You know. When I was at the Cannes Festival, time and time again, I would always be the guy who said weird stuff. I still am the guy who says weird stuff without realizing it. And people mm-hmm. would walk away. And I would think, I've got to make sure they don't walk away. Otherwise, no one will talk to us. I'll end up lonely and I'll die early, which is what happens to people who are isolated and on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most people on the spectrum don't have jobs. That's why half of them become entrepreneurs if they can. Yeah. But, you know, um, so you make a habit of chucking yourself at it. And sometimes it's a disaster. Sometimes it's not, you know, but eventually you learn how to read people. That's how I got into this. I could read people and get them to open up and share what was in their mind. And that's actually the secret half the time, getting them to talk. I don't have to do most of it. And obviously you're on the spectrum. It's Asperger's, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is that, does that make it difficult or did it make it difficult going to a networking meeting 
and having to talk to people that you don't know. Done it enough times. I mean, technically challenging, but when you do it enough times, you realise that you're not going to be thrown out and hunted by saber-toothed tigers, <laughs> you know, and not cast out the tribe. The only way you get cast out of the tribe is if you put a really bad tweet up. <laughs> that sounds like you're talking from experience. No, I've seen it enough times, though. It's oh, a joke. Right, okay. You know, I'm being humorous. You <laughs> oh, know, sorry. You put, bad, you put a bad tweet out, you lose your career. You know, but other than yes. that, most of the time, people are fine. Yeah. No, you're right. I have seen people do that, actually. Yeah, there was a there was a schoolgirl uh, joined the police as a, um, what was it? Uh, going off topic a little bit here. Uh, joined the police as a youth advisor. And then as soon as she was announced as it, they checked her history on Twitter, went back four or five years to when she was about 13, 14, and found she'd put out something either racist or homophobic, and immediately she was sacked as the youth advisor. It's a different time now, isn't it? You know, yeah. if, if, if everybody, you know, everybody in the boomer era could, or Gen X, could be held to account for every nasty thing they said as a teenager, there was a permanent record of it. My days. But now, yeah. people don't, now, people don't say it in public because they they're not used to talking to each other. Mm. as much in person so they write it mm. and there's a record yes even no if you delete it anxious. even if you delete oh, it it's still there oh yeah mm. um what is going on with seo oh the what's big, your take on it the big problem i don't uh, even know if there is one yet you tell you know, me there is yeah google announced straight after a big conference um in april end of april that Google featured snippets, which are the the boxes at the top of Google for specific search results that get you a lot of traffic. Uh, it's going to start replacing those with generative AI. Okay. So in other words, where typically we've got clients at the moment, for example, we've got one client that's um, a carpet fitter. Yep. They get tens of thousands of visits to their website each year for a specific question about carpets in a rental property. Okay. If Google does what it says it's going to do, it's going to get rid of that, and it's going to answer the question using AI at the top of Google so that people don't go to the website. Google gives them the answer on the fly. Uh, so Google's going to keep people on Google and not send them to websites. Curious. It, it, it feels like it's going to go in the direction that uh, if you want a specific service, if you want literally somebody go to go get carpets or get a carpet fit, then... Mm. You know, you go to the website. If you want a question answered, you go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. What, where do you think video content's coming into that? Google's always done a lot with video and always prioritized it because of YouTube. And I think that will continue because Google's fine to drive traffic to YouTube because it owns it and it earns a lot of advertising revenue from it. Absolutely. So it could be better for video content. It's an interesting one because I've got some. We should do a reverse sometime, a proper, you know, but a full length one. Mm. Um, but it's interesting because I have a feeling that the putting more video content on my blogs will be text will be nice, but video content will be worth something if people do visit it. Mm. You know, pulling out the text from the the videos will be also worth something. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an interesting, it, it, it's a curious one because the text, the value of text content is not, 
feeling as strong as it used to be. I don't know if I'm wrong about this. Mm. Um, so what people are going to they're going to drive to more traffic to websites that have video on it. Well, the or good video. One one of the problems that has already started happening is that um, a lot of businesses are seeing that their traffic from Google is reducing. It's been reducing year on year, but their rankings aren't dropping. And okay. the reason is because people are searching in a different way. So, okay. for example, you don't go to Google as such anymore. If you're looking for new garden furniture, you used to Google garden furniture, whereas that's going down and down and down because people are using things like Pinterest and, and TikTok and other types sure. of social media to search for this and to find the products. So if you're not using these, and video content plays a huge part in that, then you are going to lose out on traffic and sales even though your Google rankings are unaffected. So what, what does this mean for local carpet fitter where you need somebody to come out to your house and do some work? I would say social media and video is going to become even more important. Really? Yeah. Because like, what's the TikTok? People search yeah. for like generic terms, you know, like AI video, you know, mm. or AI music production, but never AI music production leads. You know, or AI or carpet fitters leads. The I never see people using those terms. It's more like broad educational topics. It is, it is. But the way TikTok will work is it's it's less about what they search for and more about what TikTok knows you want to see. Well, do you know what's funny is I'm getting a load of stuff on TikTok that I really don't like. I was getting sent videos by Idi Amin talking about Jewish people. But what? You know, he kept sending me them or sending you know or sending stuff about what's the word. You know those, like Jordan Jordan Peterson, macho mm. man style. This yeah. is how the woman should really be, and you should be crying your tears because you've lived your. Do you know what I mean? That's the stuff I'm thinking. Block this. Block this. Why am I get? Why am I keep seeing these videos? Do you know that's what I mean? A that's a little weird. It, I'm, su I'm surprised at that. I'm surprised at that because with me, the the algorithm works really well, and it is giving me what I want. I think I watched one or two of them because I wanted to know what the guy was getting at, and then you reveal it, and you, you go, "Well, this is a bit chauvinistic." Right, right, away with you. But because I watched it, it keeps sending them. Yeah, you know, that it, might be the problem. You can't do your history you know, so much, which is really crass. Yeah, or, you know, you can't eliminate. You can't. You can't tell the TikTok to not send you stuff you don't like. Um, no, it's 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 a, it's an interesting one. I. I mean, ironically, one of the reasons I I appreciate being I is because challenges are going to happen and you need think tanks. Essentially, BNI is a good a think tank source. Mm. You pull a bunch of people on a specialism and you say what we're going to do about what we're doing or how we're going to figure this out. Um, mm -hmm. And it, there are going to be stuff thrown at us where I need other people to get... I need other opinions. What do you think of this? Where do I go get this? You know, there's, there's web-related stuff all the time on that. And there are web forums, but I think there's, I think when you put into the membership, you, you essentially say, I, I'm buying into an idea of how people should be supporting each other in business. You know, I buy into the idea of community. Um, and it's very, whatever is going, else that goes on there, at least it's got that with the intent of people, a lot of it, a lot of them in the room. Mm. Um, so... A lot of the good ideas I've had are because people have thrown problems at us to deal with, or they've had requests, or they've needed something figuring out. Yeah. And same with Mid Journey. 
you know, um, I was struggling with that. So yeah, anyway, that's that's me waffling on. It's interesting to get those opinions on SEO. You know, well, I from what what you mentioned about TikTok, then it's showing you videos you don't want. Twitter does the same sort of thing. Twitter, okay. Twitter used to default to when you loaded the, the the app what you follow, but now it defaults to what it wants to push to you, and you have to change the setting to what you follow each time. But it doesn't necessarily push to you things that it knows you agree with. It pushes things it knows you're going to interact with. So I'm getting loads of like Nigel Farage, Donald Trump, God. Katie Hopkins crap because it knows I'm going to end up getting into an argument with people about it. A lot of, and I mean this in the nicest way, so I'm going to get a slap to the head here, but a lot of weak-minded people will get influenced by political content. Notice I'm not putting a label down here, mm. you know, and the reason that happens a lot of the time is not because of the strength of the argument, but the basic way the argument has been put and the number of times it's been repeated. Oh, I didn't believe this, but, you know, after a while, I realized that was true. And actually, that's just like somebody, you know, meeting a new partner and then disappearing from all their mates because the partner has said, your mates are terrible. They're losers. You don't want to be near them. Don't mm. like them. And then the friend, you know, and I've seen this more than once, gets isolated from all these other friends or her other friends because yeah. of the partner. And they start believing what they're told. Not because it's any clever what's been said or any true. It's just because it's been beaten over their heads repeatedly. Mm. Same with arguments and videos online. And I think that's a fairly politically neutral thing to say. <laughs> it is. It is. But um, with, with the stuff online, it's not done by accident. It's done deliberately. Oh, yeah. I mean, the yeah. fact that Elon Musk now controls Twitter, he is essentially able to use it for his own political agenda. Somebody once said, again, I'm not going to label any particular side here, mm. that what one group of people wants is not freedom of speech it's that their speech is the one that dominates and they want it so they're the only ones that get to say anything mm. and they will go they will go for that by any means necessary any means necessary because to that group of people the winners dictate history yeah. Right. It doesn't matter how shameless a route is taken to get that. If they win, that's all that matters. Because then they have power. Mm. But there's no there's no such thing as what's decent. There's no such thing as shame. There is just who controls. But I, you know some people I remember once there was a political character and this character is like an absolute cartoon. And I won't say it, the name of it so that people identify which way I'm going with this. And like that person was a point of parody, right? And it's probably not the one you're thinking of straight away. <laughs> and somebody pointed out, yeah, they might be, they might look like a parody, but whilst we're, whilst we're laughing at them, all their ideas are getting under the table. Yeah. You know, all their ideas, they, they've, you know, whilst we're staring, you know, distracted, laughing at them, they've managed to um, get a, a seat at a table they don't belong at. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, been, what a cheerful been, way to... Uh, been legitimized. You know, yeah, that is quite cheerful. Thanks, Tommy. I, I was feeling yeah, all upbeat yeah. until then. You mentioned you wanted to be, you know, fulfill your heroes or copy your heroes and be like, like Kubrick. 
and yep. you still plan on doing that, uh, would Gozo play a part in that? Because it look, if I, what I can see behind you, it looks an absolutely beautiful setting and a visual inspiration. I'd have to be indiscreet because I wouldn't want to be too known for it. If you know what I mean, people <laughs> like, you know, people know me as the laptop guy around here. You know, um, but you can be indis- you can be discreet. Mm. But yes, the locations around here are bonkers. That's one of the reasons people like coming here. Mm. You know, people will go to Malta and then they'll spend two hours coming here and coming back to see this place and not seeing all of it. Um, it is you get you get film crews around here quite a bit. I don't Damn. think this place has been used anywhere near enough. But then again, it's not a bad thing. You know, we've got pl- this place gets plenty of tourists. So have you got a passion idea that you're going to do, or is it something you've not thought of yet? Do you know what? I scribble things down, and I have writers that I go back and forth with, but I like to slay each dragon at its own pace. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. So I like to feel like I've got a grip to a degree on the business side of things, Um, and it's going in where I want, and focus all my energy on that or a lot of it, and then focus on leisure because i do fight i do genuinely think that your leisure work influences your business work mm. well it, it does generally look like you are living you're living your best life there um i am I'm, I'm more than slightly jealous i'm very jealous actually oh don't don't mind me i'll find something to moan about i always do <laughs> that's the yorkshire in you and it just <laughs> Okay. We're about running out of time now, Tommy. Okay. Um, but one thing, one final thing I want to ask is if somebody wants to get in touch with you to work with you, what's the best way they can they can contact you? My name's a Google Whack. If you type it in, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I'm addicted. I can't leave that I can't leave the phone alone, so you'll get me. <laughs> and are you still looking for other people in marketing to join your your marketing WhatsApp group? Yeah, I am. I, I've noticed that some people come. And some people go, and maybe it's, it depends on whether they have the time or not, or, you know, whether they have the focus. But I think it's very community-driven now. Mm. You know, there is, like, after a, maybe about half a year to a year, you started seeing people who liked hanging out with each other and being supportive. Mm. And some people, like anybody who comes to any any meeting, you know, there's, there's givers and there's takers. And I think it, it really worked quite well for the givers yeah that's a very good point very good thing to end on there yeah thank you very much tommy it's been a pleasure speaking to you and a pleasure seeing the scenery behind you as well and the life going by oh yeah yeah somebody's winding that from the side (laughs) thanks tommy